I'm excited to welcome our guest, Nader Anis, on our Coptic Orphans podcast, Cool Cops Doing Cool Things. I'm Nermeen Riyad, founder and executive director here at Coptic Orphans. In our bi-weekly podcast, I'll be talking with some of the most interesting and most influential people that we know in Coptic and Egyptian circles. I'll also be bringing you up to speed on what Coptic Orphans is doing and how, by God's grace, we ensure that fatherless children are cared for, loved, educated, and that they can reach their greatest potential. So today, I'm so happy to sit down with my good friend, Nedir Anis. I admire Nedir beyond belief for so many reasons. First, his commitment to the Copts, his incomparable business acumen, and his knack for innovation. For those of you who don't know who he is, Nedir Anis is a lawyer in Florida and is known as the father of legal marketing. His strategies have been showcased on many national media outlets, such as NBC Television, PBS, Access Hollywood, and Lawyers Weekly USA. Over the years, Nedir has helped thousands of lawyers and law firms build their practice and increase profits. Nedir is also the creator of Love Your Lawyer Day and Coptic Day and the Coptic Chamber of Commerce. Nedir, thank you so much for joining us, and we are so privileged to have you here on Cool Cops. There's so much to cover, and I want to start by telling me a little bit about yourself and your journey thus far. Oh, my goodness. Um, First of all, uh, before I jump into that, I have to thank you for that introduction. I'm almost believing this introduction. It's so good, but... Uh, honestly, I am. Uh, they tell you never to believe your own press. So um, I appreciate the intro, but honestly, I'm the one who feels privileged to be speaking with you. And uh, I've known you for several years now and really admire all the work that you do. And you have honestly changed the face of, of giving in the Coptic community. You have done incredible things. And if anything, I should be interviewing you. But uh, you know what? Maybe that will come a little later in the podcast. I can ask you a few questions because really curious about how you've done these things and where things are now. But thank you for that introduction, Nermeen. It's really a pleasure to be with you. And um, I'll give you kind of the quick story of uh, where I started and where things are now. We were immigrants from Egypt. We came in 1969. My parents, myself, I have two brothers. Of course, we went to the New Jersey homeland, which is Jersey City. That's uh, that's where we went. And my father helped establish St. Mark's Coptic Orthodox Church. It was Abu Nabil Abdel Sayyid. And, um, and I lived in Jersey City until I was 20 years old. Actually, no, I lived in New Jersey until I was 20. Jersey City till I was 10. We moved to Holmdel, New Jersey, where my father, uh, established St. Nina's Church in Holmdel. So I moved when I was 20, came to Florida, went to law school, and uh, I've been in South Florida ever since. Uh, became an attorney. 
practiced, but really my main objective and my, my interest was in marketing. And so I began doing seminars for lawyers, teaching them how to market themselves. And uh, it, it just took a life of its own. And so I, I do that. But frankly, most of my time is spent on the Coptic American Chamber of Commerce and my other activities, including Global Coptic Day, Copticon, and uh, pretty much all things Coptic. And, and had the pleasure of uh, getting to know you over these last several years, and, and here we are now. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So, Nader, you're the typical product of immigrant parents who made us become engineers, lawyers, or doctors, yeah? <laughs> Listen, very, very proud uh, product, but, um, you know, they knew I was never going to be a doctor. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. I thought it's, it's just not going to happen. But what ended up happening was they produced three sons who were three lawyers. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So my other two brothers are also lawyers. And uh, and I guess three uh, three lawyers equals one doctor. So they were okay. <laughs> Is that how it went? The equation, uh, yes. I, I guess that's the, the Coptic math. That's so I love, I love how you got into law, but at the same time, you're really interested in, in marketing. Is that how Coptic Chamber of Commerce came about? Tell me a little bit more how that got started. Okay. There is, if I can just emphasize this point for a second, sometimes in our lives we reach a pivot point, and it can be such an, an important part of our lives where we decide, do I continue with this path or do I change paths? And that's really kind of what happened with me. I mean, I was a practicing attorney, and I was, I was doing pretty well. But the passion, the love was in marketing. I, I just loved bringing the clients, not so much working for the clients, if you will. And, and so I decided, you know what? I'm going to pivot. I'm going to change. I, I have to be fluid in that regard. And I, I think we all encounter moments like that. So that's something to look out for. The chamber, the Coptic chamber really was created again. I, I, will refer to my father and, and he's been the biggest influence in my life and, and he it's been um, it's gonna be twenty years since his passing. But he was really a chamber in and of himself. So the cops would come and, and meet with him and ask him, Can you, you know, connect me with this person or, or this partner? I need this investment. Do you have someone who can help me here or there? And we had people coming to our house at eleven PM, uh at midnight just wanting his, his counsel and his advice and his, his, you talk about business acumen, it was really him. It's not me. But uh, if anything, I might have inherited a little bit of it. And so the idea of the chamber came from him, and I thought, well, it, it's time to organize it into something professional, something that will formally be out there for the cops to know that I can help them or we can help them build their business and grow their business and connect with other cops and, and learn how to succeed and, and all these things. So that's really uh, the starting point of the Coptic Chamber. It was my father. Wow. Um, and, and it's lovely how you give credit to, you know, to your, your father. And uh, a lot of us really have to, especially immigrants, we have to give credit to our parents who actually, um, I mean, he, they basically paved the way for us and for our success. 
Um, so is that how a global Coptic day came about? Was it, again, your father's impact, or how did that one come about? Well, listen, my father's impact had and always will have, uh, it's, it's in the back of my head all the time, especially Coptic-related things, because he was so involved. And it was always about the church and giving to the church and, and helping the priests and helping the bishops. And so the idea for Global Coptic Day actually came from, we were in a, a gala, the 25th anniversary gala of the Southern U.S. Diocese, uh, and Yusuf's Diocese. And we had a gala, and this was when Pope Tawadros was in the U.S., and he was actually in attendance. And Metropolitan Sarapion of Los Angeles said something that just really stuck with me. He said, as cops, we don't really have a strong presence in the media and society. It just, and it resonated with me. It's like, you know what? He's right. At that point, I thought, well, what can we do? How can we change that? How can we have an impact? And at the same time, Pope others had said something about social media. It's, uh, you know, a large part, uh, it's mostly a waste of time. People just waste their lives on social media. So for some reason, I thought if we can combine those two concepts of making social media beneficial and also by doing that, finding a way to give cops a more of a, a, a dominant presence and to be more well-known and to be recognized, how can we do that? And so I had created a day for lawyers 20 years ago called Love Your Lawyer Day. And insert chuckle here, of course. <laughs> Most people hear that and they start laughing. Love your lawyer. I'd rather, no. I'd rather do something terrible to myself than, than you love know, my lawyer. love a lawyer. But, and so I started that and thank God that was super successful. So I had that track record of creating a day and having it been successful and very well publicized. And I thought, you know what? We can do this for the Coptic people. I pitched the idea to Embe Youssef, and this was back in October 2018. And within one month exactly, I was in Egypt in the monastery of Mbabshoi, pitching the idea to the bishops of the Holy Synod, uh, mostly those who are in the diaspora. And that was really well received. And, you know, and then I pitched it by chance. I mean, there's a whole long story to this. I'm not going to get into the details, but I ran, basically ran into Pope Tawadros. And I said, you know what? It's now or never. I have to tell him about the idea and, and let's hope for the best. And I spent about 10 minutes with him, or maybe more, honestly, I don't remember exactly, and gave him all the details and gave him like a manual I had put together and showed him the logo and everything. He said, this is a great idea. Keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so we got the blessing of the Pope and the bishops and everything, and that's how it started. I love, um, often I remember in, in my dealings with Pope Tawadros, it's, that's the response you typically hear. It's like, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. He's an incredible supporter. So with Global Coptic Day, I suppose that begs the question of how do you, Yanedir, see or define Coptic identity? What does that mean to you? You know, Nermeen, that's, it's honestly a complex question. 
It's not a simple question to answer. Uh, and I think because there's so many different factors. I, I mean, what isn't part of the identity and what is? Uh, are we talking geographically? Are we talking historically? Are we talking based on, you know, the time period? So someone's experience currently today in the U.S. or the U.K. who is Coptic is completely different. They see the identity completely differently than someone who was in uh, Aswan or in Minya 1,200 years ago. So uh, it's tough to to define, but I mean, if I had to sort of summarize it in in one sentence or give it some some flavor or or characteristic, it's probably, you know, we are Egyptians of Orthodox faith who are one of the most persecuted peoples, yet also most reflective of the love of Christ, regardless of geography, regardless of time period Hmm. i mean honestly i don't i don't know how else to define it other than that Hmm. um Hmm. and you you have and and that resonates with you the persecuted christians narrative that we have uh, in our faith story i think not only is it impossible to bifurcate this it is a source of pride mm. and i think it has to be we have to lead with that mm. how would you see that going into the next generation and the one after what are you hoping for for these next coptic identity or identifiers in the future generations okay you, you really want to know what i'm i'm dreaming of i would love to hear what you're dreaming of okay so my dream <laughs> is that when people ask us, so what is this Coptic Orthodox? We don't have to say, you've heard of Greek Orthodox, right? <laughs> the typical answer, you mean. Version, <laughs> right? I mean, yes. I mean, uh, that's so common. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's, it's tongue-in-cheek, but I would love for the next generation to, you know, take the mantle. And what, what our fathers and mothers built in the, in the U.S. in the 50s and 60s and 70s and on. And it was, it's substantial. Make no mistake. What, what they have built is substantial to where we, we only had, you know, a couple of churches and, and visiting priests here and there to, you know, almost a dozen bishops just in the U.S. Uh, in Canada to bishops, I mean, it's an incredible success story where other churches are barely getting, you know, 10 or or 20 or 50 people at a mass. Mm -hmm. So this is obviously the hand of God, but it's also the tireless work of those who came before us. We wouldn't be here without their efforts. So I would love for them to say, okay, how can we now expand it? How can we, how can we make it more accessible to those outside of the Egyptian community while retaining our heritage and our roots? Not necessarily that it has to be Egyptian everywhere, but the essence of the Coptic Orthodox faith. Uh, and not compromising that in any way. 
I can I can be accessible to someone who has never heard of me, who is from Antarctica, but yet I would never compromise my faith. Mm. I would love for that to be the message. That's beautiful. And, and I hope that we get to that point and we in Coptic Orphans will do everything we can also to get to that point. Oh, I'm, I, listen, what you're doing, again, is, is tremendous. And the work and the service you're doing is amazing. But, you know, here, here you are. You keep asking me questions. Well, guess what? Like I told you, I, I want to learn more about you and what you're doing. And, and more about Coptic orphans and what you think of identity. I mean, I, I know this is a complex issue, but this is something that you're dealing with on a daily basis. So how are you dealing with that? Yeah. And the identity, whether it's Egypt or, or your identity, you know, growing up in America or what you see around you. Yeah, again, uh, it is indeed a complex question. Uh, but I tell you, um, an interesting thing happened. I was attending a conference, and it was a Presbyterian conference, and many people will introduce themselves as, you know, I became Christian when I was whatever, or, and then one young lady came up and said, actually, I grew up in a Christian family because my parents were Christian, and then she went on to tell, to tell her story, and I thought to myself, hmm, yes, I too grew up in a Christian family. My parents were Christian. As a matter of fact, their parents were Christian, and their parents and their parents, and their parents. And I was like, wait a minute. We're talking about a hundred generations of Christian parents. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind how, despite the persecution and despite the hardships, each and every generation preserved the faith so as to be able to deliver it to me uh, and so that I can become uh, a Coptic Orthodox you know, Christian. And, and it just put things in perspective and how valuable that is. And, and this is something that we want to bring to the forefront and we want people to see and to, and to realize this. And one of the things that we're doing we, we have a program called Surf to Learn. And what is this? It's basically young uh, Copts that are living abroad can go and serve in Egypt by, by doing what? I mean, what could they do? Well, they could teach English. Why not? And, and indeed, we organize it so that they're there for three weeks to teach English. But while they're teaching English to the orphan children and other children in, in the village, they also go and they visit monasteries and they go and they visit the Church of el the Church of the 21 Martyrs. And, and it really, really sinks in deep to them who they are and the the heritage of our strong strong faith and and they come back changed they come back changed and i tell you one of the things that i'm seeing here in the united states is too many times we've lost our identity who yani not just as cops but just as humans sometimes without an identity you lose your your grounding and your bearing and so this is something that we have as an, an incredible advantage to be able to know who we are and what our future holds. Oh, I, I love that idea so much. And But I mean, I find it interesting that you want them to go to Egypt to do that. Now, listen, I mean, obviously they can do great things uh, in their own country, but why 
do you want them to go to Egypt or, mm. you know, the homeland, as we say? Why, why is it so important to you that they do that there? That's a, that's a really good question. And I remember we grappled with that question a lot. We realized that that's our faith heritage. Our faith originated in Egypt. The roots of it is in Egypt. And therefore, you may have a better understanding of it when you're there, where it originated. Because your, your faith always have, has cultural context with it. And I'll, I'll tell you an, an interesting story of when the 21 martyrs became, you know, it was all over the news uh, about what had happened, uh, what ISIS did for these 21 young men. Um, uh, someone came, she was looking at this, and she's not a cop or anything, and she wondered to herself, what kind of a church produces men like this? Who, who can, who does this? And so when she, in her research, she came across Coptic orphans. Well, she didn't have enough money to go and serve with Surf to Learn. Uh, so what she did, she actually bought a one-way ticket. Uh, and she said she'll figure out the return some other time. But she applied to Surf to Learn and she went. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Where did she end up? Her site was right where, it was actually in Matai, right where the 21 martyrs came from. And out of nowhere, uh, during the home visit, uh, which home did she go visit? She went to the family of the 21 martyrs. She, she was so overcome. And she didn't leave Egypt before she became baptized in the Orthodox faith. That's how powerful this was because she wanted, she wanted to, to connect. And so this is what Egypt does to you. And, um, and, and I tell you, I highly recommend this program for anyone who's even considering just some kind of mission work. Uh, this, this is where to start. I am, I don't even know what to say to that. Was she an American girl? Yes, she was totally American. And this was completely on her own. She wanted, she reached out to you. Yeah, she found uh, Surf to Learn and applied to go teach English for three weeks. And all of this happened. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's so clear that it's God's doing and it's God's hand. And, and then you said, you know, she was uh, located near the, the 21 Martyrs Church, and then she was serving the, well, the family. That, I, I mean, God wanted her there. Yeah. Uh, and he, he touched her heart. And, but honestly, this is a testament to your service and what you've started and, and what you're doing and, and how it's growing and, and how it's touching people yeah. and, and, and changing their eternity. Yeah. I, I mean, this is an incredible story. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. I, I'll great. tell you, and it did. Um, I remember too. I mean, these things affect me. You know, it's not just, yeah. it's not others, but it, it really affects me. And I remember in Malawi, there's a place called Ansina. This was one of the the largest massacres that ever happened for the Christians. And Nedir, I'm. I, we're talking about if you just walk and just move the sand a little bit, you'll find someone you know you'll find relics you'll find bones you'll find a piece of cloth and and i remember walk you know walking there and the and the guide is telling us you know uh, this was um a young girl named Christina laid here. She had a long braid. And then he picked up a cloth and he dropped it in my hand. And he goes, and this is what she was wearing. 
oh my god, that affected me. It became so real. And I thought to myself, wow, these people, you know, how powerful they are that they would do this for the faith. And so I'm very proud uh, to be to be a Copt. I'm very proud of the faith. I'm very proud of how our forefathers preserved the faith um, just for us, for me and you, Yanander. So... But anyway, we don't want to get teary-eyed here on this program. We're talking about cool things. I'm going to, um, so Nedir, I'm, I want to tell you how delightful it is to have you on Cool Cops. And I'm really inspired by all that you're doing. And you're, I mean, you're doing a lot of very practical things for the Coptic diaspora. And I, and I so much appreciate that. And I can't wait to hear more about uh, the Global Coptic Day and and all of the great things that the Coptic Chamber of Commerce is going to be doing. So tell me, Nedir, any last thoughts to our audience and listeners? My last thought is I basically have you on tape. Maybe we, we'll rewind it. You're essentially committed to coming to Copticon. <laughs> That's my last thought. Like, okay, we got Nermeen Riyadh coming to Copticon. Sorry, Nermeen. Oh, it will be my a, pleasure. Your book. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. Matt, God my, willing. My last thought, honestly, is uh, I just, uh, I love so much what you do, and um, I'm proud of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though I have nothing to do with it, it's, it's, a, it's a source of pride that, we have something extraordinary like this uh, with, you know, branches all over and people know, you know, I was just speaking with my cousin uh, right before the phone call and I told him I was speaking with you, Coptic Orphans. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Great. Like everyone knows Coptic Orphans. So uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure and and. Uh, and wonderful to speak to a friend again. Thank thank you you for this. Thank you, Nedir. And really, I hope everyone that's been listening is energized and inspired as I am after this chat. And uh, I want to thank everyone for their love and prayers and support, and, and especially for the amazing children of Egypt. So on behalf of the Coptic Orphans team, thank you all for listening. This is Nermeen Riyadh, and I look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Cool Cops Doing Cool Things. Thank you, Nader. My pleasure.